God is good. And all the time, praise the Lord. All right, we appreciate those that are gathered here to worship and study the Word of God tonight. And uh, welcome you that's watching by the live stream. Uh, I don't have anything in the projector. I did, just did not have the time. I, I had a choice. I could, I could cut short my study time and preparation so I could go upstairs and put something pretty on the screen for you. Or I could just forget that and uh, dig as much out of this teaching, and I figured that that's the best thing. And so even though we're in a technical world and um, most churches have got scriptures on the screen, we still, we still need to carry the Word in our hand. Amen? And uh, Kessie is up there. She might be able to uh, get um, some of the scriptures and throw them up as I'm going along. And, uh, but we're studying the parables of Jesus, and we're going to do a few more of them uh, tonight. Um, I don't know how far, much farther we will go in this. Like I said, you know, we have previously covered some of the parables, and we're trying to pick up some that we didn't cover uh, the first time that I studied them. And um, so we're going to, uh, uh, there, there are three that we're going to look at tonight. Um, as we consider our, continue rather, our study of the parables, we're coming to three short but related parables. The message of these parables has been blurred by misconception and misinterpretation. And to understand the beauty and value of the message our Lord was speaking, uh, we have to open up our mind to perceive truth as the Lord perceives it. Amen. Now, we're going to be uh, studying. I give Kessie an opportunity to, uh, to get ready Luke 24 and 45. We're going to be studying the parables of the hidden treasure, pearl of great price, and fisherman's net. Uh, hidden treasure, pearl of great price, and fisherman's net. These are all three very short parables, but these parables are related. And one of the mistakes a lot of people make uh, in studying these three parables is they try to separate them. And they're all telling basically the same message, but Jesus uses a different form each time to bring just a little bit more out. Um, and like I said, if we're going to understand the beauty and the value of the true message that Jesus is trying to convey, we've got to open up our mind. 
to perceive truth as the Lord perceives it. Now, where I'm coming from there, I'm reminded of the scripture in Luke chapter 24 and verse 45. Luke 24 and 45. About opening up our mind. Now, this is what it says in Luke 24 and 45. And he opened up their understanding that they may comprehend the scriptures. Uh, it's one thing to, to read the scriptures, but another thing to understand what you're reading. Now, to use the amplified version, that same scripture, it says it like this. Then he thoroughly opened up their minds to understand the Scripture. He thoroughly opened up their mind to thoroughly understand the Scripture. In other words, and, and listen to me close here, there must be a spiritual eye of understanding when it comes to rightly dividing the Word of God. Hallelujah. we got to rightly divide the Word. We understand that. We know that. But to be able to rightly divide the Word of God, you've got to have a spiritual eye of understanding. Amen. You know, I think about the Apostle Paul. God had to blind his natural sight so he could really see. And that happens uh, a lot of times. What we see in the physical sometimes hinders what we're able to see in the spirit. Amen. So I want us to pray about God opening up our spiritual eye of understanding so we can rightly divide the word of God. You cannot, and we're gonna we're gonna go to be going next to first Corinthians two and fourteen, New King James Version. But you can't sit down and read the scripture the way you do any other book. Amen. <clears throat> Don't try to sit down and read the Bible like you do Shakespeare. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hark! What light through yonder window break? <laughs> Hallelujah. It is the dawn. Now it's Jesus. He's shining. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. Lord of mercy. I remember when I was in high school, the time we had to study Shakespeare, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> oh, my. But uh, we, got to, we got to be able uh, to uh, rightly divide. And so people make a mistake when they try to sit down and read the Scripture the way they do any other book. It is divinely, the reason why you can't do that, the Bible is divinely inspired and therefore must be divinely revealed. You don't figure it out with your intellect. You can't, you can't figure it out. Amen. It's not, it's not an equation that you can work out with the intellect. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. And... Uh, but the natural man, notice that, 
the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. That's the key to rightly dividing the Word of God right there. Because I've heard a lot of people say, well, all right, Brother Pruitt, how you rightly divide the Word of God? That's the key right there to rightly dividing the Word of God. Now, these parables we're going to be studying, we're going to use Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 50 in the New King James. Matthew 13, 44 through 50. And these are the parables of the hidden treasure, the pearl of great price, and uh, the fisherman's net. Okay, let's go and, uh, and read this. You can be turning there, Matthew 13, beginning at verse 44, and we're going to go down and read through verse 50. Again, now remember, these are parables. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven, this, this is a second parable, is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, third parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So will it be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from the just, and cast them into a furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, all three of these parables are related. They're all linked together. And that's the first step to getting the proper understand it. Now, there's a lot of people, and I, under, I, got, I will admit, I, I understood it <coughs> the opposite way many years ago. And it wasn't until about 20 or 22 years ago, Brother Penrod doing some teaching, uh, helped me to open up my mind and my understanding to this. Uh, some people say or think that the treasure uh, in the field, that the man sells all he's got to buy the field to get the treasure, refers to us selling out to everything and the treasure is Jesus. And Jesus has been called the pearl of great price and that we sell everything else to get him. But if you have thought that way, 
I want to open up your mind tonight. I'm going to challenge your thinking. I want you to look at it just a little bit different way, and I'm going to bring some scripture out, hopefully, that will help help you. Now, as we go down through here, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field. The field represented the world. And the treasure is the church, the bride of Christ. Number one, if it's the if it was the other way around, you tell me how we can buy our salvation. How can we be the agent of our salvation? That's impossible. That's impossible. We can't do it. There's no way, Brother Douglas, I could ever come up with enough price to pay for my salvation. Now, follow with me just a little, and I believe as I go along that that something's going to fall into place here. Okay, it said again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. I cannot purchase or earn my salvation. So, What is it saying here? Uh, Because of the joy, the man, the man here represents Christ, and he sold everything he had and bought the field. Field representing the world. For God so loved what? The world. That he gave his only begotten Son, hallelujah. I want you, I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 12 and read verse 2. The very first message that I preached for Brother Hale, we we were still living in Bowling Green and uh, that had me come down and preach that Sunday morning. I didn't know they was going to talk to me about pastoring the church and taking over from Brother Hale. And um, I just we just come to visit. Really, I didn't. Um, uh, I didn't come planning to preach, and we come to visit. And so I didn't have anything planned. And. Uh, when we got there, right before service started, Brother Hale come to me, and he was good at, you know, I, I went to Bible college, I studied Bible college for four years, and done a lot of other things in preparation, but the greatest preparation for the ministry that I ever got was from Brother Hale, and I took, because I'll tell you why. <laughs> I was evangelizing, and when we wasn't in a revival, of course we was there, 
uh, a church at home church. And I'd come, Brother Hale never would ask me ahead of time to get ready to prepare a message for next Sunday or something like that. Very seldom. If he did, it was very seldom. And uh, most of the time, after we ended Sunday school, and I come back up and sit on the platform, right as Brother Hale was coming to the pulpit, he'd stop, put his hand on, <laughs> on my knee, and said, Brother, Brother Sammy, get us a message ready for today. Like I said, that was my best training for the ministry. I learned how to be instant in season and out of season. And that Sunday, we come down to visit. Brother Hale asked me to preach, and I, I wasn't ready. And I began to pray sitting on that pew. And God gave me this scripture, and I had never preached it before. And God spoke to me what it was. Hebrews 12 and 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's a lot of stuff piled in that right there. When I turned to that scripture that God gave me, it just bubbled out of my spirit. Who for the joy that was set before him, I says, Lord, what was the joy set before him? What was the joy? It says, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The cross wasn't a joy. The thorns on his head wasn't a joy. The nails in his hands wasn't a joy. What was the joy that caused him to endure the cross? It goes hand in hand with the parable of the man finding a treasure in the field and for joy he went and purchased the field to get the treasure the joy that was set before Jesus was the beauty of his bride he knew what his death was going to do he knew what his blood was going to be able to work and that gave him joy. That gave him joy. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. Praise his name. Hallelujah. He could see his church. He could see his bride. <coughs> the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, it was Jesus that gave up everything he had to get him a bride. 
It is Jesus. When he visioned that treasure, when he visualized that pearl of great price, he gave up everything. He was king of kings and lord of lords. He took off his royal robe, stepped down from the throne, and became a human being. Sitting on the throne, he didn't know pain. He didn't know suffering. He was God Almighty. But when he clothed himself in the likeness of human flesh, he felt pain. He knew sorrow. He was tempted in all points as you and I were tempted. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 8 goes right along with what we're talking about tonight. And we're going to read that. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you. Let this attitude, way of thinking... Be in you which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. <clears throat> Do you see here the man who found the treasure and gave up everything, sold everything he had to purchase that field? Jesus gave up everything he was in heaven to come to earth to offer me a new salvation. Wow. That is so... And that word right there made himself no reputation. Uh, the Greek word there is kenoso, kenosis. Uh, me and Gary Sheldon had a, a running joke about that with Brother Ron didn't as he used to teach that uh, in Bible college. It, w it means he emptied himself, self-emptying. He emptied himself. Jesus poured out everything that he was <coughs> to, so he could die. He could not die as God on the throne. Do you hear what I'm saying? He had to take on the likeness of sinful flesh. He emptied himself of all the glory. Hallelujah. He emptied himself of everything he was. He did not make himself a reputation. And he did that. Hallelujah. No glory. The merchant man, here is Christ, and he's seeking something of value and beauty. Now, I'm going to go back. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. 
okay, I declare unto you that you and I have never once on our own sought after God. God didn't, you didn't go, go looking for God. He came looking for you. Hello. I hear somebody every now and then say, well, praise the Lord, I found God. I didn't know God was lost. Hello. Amen. Jesus came seeking us. Go all the way back to the beginning. When Adam sinned and disobeyed God, was it Adam who was looking for God or was it God looking for Adam? God came walking in the garden in the cooler day like he always did, and he was saying, Adam, where are you? Hello? Adam wasn't seeking God. He was ashamed. He wanted to hide. <coughs> and I'm going to tell you right now, you wasn't seeking God yourself. You, you didn't choose God. He chose you. That's what the Bible says. He said, you ain't chosen me. I've chosen you. If you're in the body of Christ, you're there because of his will. He designed it. So, to let us know that this uh, merchant seeking beautiful pearls that, that's a clue. That's a clue who this is. The merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, sold all he had and bought it. See how that ties into the other parable? Getting rid of everything you had? Amen? Uh, I want you, Kessie, to put up Luke 19 and 10. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to what? Seek. See, when you rightly divide the Word of God and you tie these scriptures together, it's Jesus doing the seeking. Hallelujah. I, I praise God so much for this understanding. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. When you was lost, you was not seeking God. You was going about doing your own thing. There's a lot of people in church still going about doing their own thing. Whoop! <laughs> he sold all he had and bought the pearl. Now, <clears throat> to give you another scripture to tie together so you can understand what I'm saying, that is Jesus the one who's doing the purchasing and the buying. The book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves. Now, uh, this is being written to the elders of the church. He said, Therefore take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God 
which he what? Purchased. By mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Jesus is the one doing the purchase. And what did he use? What, what was the purchase price? His blood. If, if you ever run across somebody who wants to argue with you about Jesus being God, here's something right here that I've yet to find somebody, when I threw it out at him, didn't trip all over their feet. When they're arguing with me, I said, let me ask you a question. They said, what? I said, whose blood was used to purchase the church? And they say, well, Jesus, he shed his blood. Then I turned them to Acts chapter 20, verse 8. And it, it said, shepherd the church. You don't say the church of Jesus right here. It says church of God. Which he, who's the he? God. Purchased with his own blood. It was God's blood. It was God's blood that purchased the church. There's no way around it. That makes Jesus God, don't it? Hallelujah. That makes Jesus God. You can't get around that. I don't care how much you try. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, the fisherman's net. Uh, this parable sums up the outcome uh, of the Lord searching the world for his treasure and his pearl. This sums it all up. Again, I'm going to read that last uh, parable beginning at Matthew 13 and verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to the shore and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels but through the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire, and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. When you're fishing using a net, you don't know what you're going to get in that net. That's why a lot of church people today, when God says, well, I've made you fishers of men, they like to use a fishing pole. Because you're only targeted in a certain kind. But when you're using a net, you're liable to get anything, but you got but you've got the greatest opportunity for a harvest. Come on. And here's the, here's the kicker right here. This goes along with another parable. And we, uh, we haven't talked about it, the parable of the tares. <clears throat> we got a lot of church folks who wants to try to go ahead and separate the bad and good, but that ain't your job. 
It's God's job. It's God's job to separate the bad from the good. Quit sitting back there on your religious church pew and trying to figure out who's bad and who's good. It ain't none of your business. Woo, hello. God said he's going to handle that. Amen. He's going to take care of that. At, and at the end of the age, everything that's been brought in, everything that gathers on church pews is not going to be the pearl. Remember, Jesus is looking for the special pearl. That's the bride. And not everybody on church pews is going to go up and be a part of the bride. Amen. There's going to be a separating day. That day, we will know for sure who is really sold out all the way to God and who ain't. You ain't going to be hiding nothing from God. Hallelujah. Amen. See, here's the key to it. Matthew 22 and 14, that's the last scripture that we will use, amen, and that touches out perfect with our time on the clock. Matthew 22 and 14. For many are called, but few are chosen. Every time we swing out the net, we liable to gather anything, about like me when I'm fishing. I get everything from old rubber shoes to old broken bottles. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, needless to say, that old rubber, rubber boot or that broken bottle, I ain't going to take that and put it on the grill. I'm going to pitch it aside. And that's what Jesus is saying right here. Hallelujah. Because Jesus ain't looking for every, every old thing. He's looking for a pearl. He's looking for a treasure. He's coming back after church without spot, wrinkle, blemish, or any such thing. Let me tell you, honey, you're going to have to shine if you go with Jesus. Hello, somebody. You're going to have to shine if you're called up in the bride. If you're that pearl... Hallelujah. He ain't looking for, <laughs> I got to say it, God ain't looking for costume jewelry. He wants the real McCoy. Amen. He wants something with value to it. Amen. Let's stand together. <coughs> I hope that I brought this out in such a way that you're able to blend these together and understand what Jesus was trying to say uh, in these three parables. Lord, we come tonight, we thank you.